the softball insider podcast with bianca chatfield thanks to kumo tire kumo defines itself through innovation quality and customer satisfaction so your car will be better always when fitted with a set of kumos they take care of the tires so you can focus on driving head to kumo.com.au to locate your nearest kumo experts today Insider podcast driven by Kumo Tires. It's so exciting that we get to be back again for another podcast. Last time we did this, we had three times Olympian Peter Edabone with us, and she shared all the insights, not just from her career, but the Olympics as well, and speaking about talking to the current playing group and how they're coping with what's been going on in the world in 2020. So we thought we should grab a current player. Now, this player, she was born in New South Wales, lives in Brisbane when she's not in Japan. The Aussie spirit has played 148 games for Australia, debuting in Canada in 2009. She is a gun pitcher and she's joining me right from Japan right now. Kaya Parnaby, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Okay, so let's talk about Japan first. So you are there, but I believe you're in isolation? Yeah, so we arrived last, oh, really early last Saturday morning and we're in isolation for 14 days. And can you just explain, isolation I think means very different things no matter where you are in the world. What's it actually like being in isolation and how far through are you? So we're on day, I want to say it's day six right now, maybe day seven. I'm not too sure with my days at the moment, but... um. We're very lucky that we are in our studio apartments and so we have a balcony. We're able to get outside. We live with our team, so they're actually away at the moment and we're able to use the car park outside to work out, to run, to kind of get some fresh air, even though it's 40 degrees. But, um, yeah, and we also spoke to our interpreter and she informed us that if we wore a mask and practiced social distancing, we were able to go to the convenience store and pick up our necessities that we um, don't get if, yeah, we're not wow. allowed. Wow. And now yeah. you're there with Stacey Porter, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. So the two of you can at least keep each other company while you're in isolation. Yeah, we've been catching up about every second day so far, having a throw with each other and going through some stuff that... Um, we've got sent from back home. So it's kind of nice to have a a fresh, friendly face around that we can do things together with. I've got so many questions because I can only imagine what it's like. Like just being able to play over in Japan and you have done that for quite a while. Can you explain to us what it is like playing over there? Um, It's a completely different atmosphere. I mean, I've played on all different stages, whether it be college in America, at World Cups in America, at nationals in Australia, at massive international tournaments at home. But playing over here is different. So we're owned by companies and they bring company employees to our game and each team has a brass band um, that kind of plays at the game for you. So instead of like just like chucking on a speaker in between innings, the brass bands have their own kind of songs that they play for you and stuff like that. So it's completely different atmosphere, but they're very um, they're very vocal in their own way with the bands and they're cheering and yeah, it, it's it's a completely different atmosphere to what I've ever experienced anywhere else. Wow! And so you're playing for the SG Holdings Galaxy Stars, is that right? I am. 
Yeah. Oh, that sounds really cool. Can you imagine my first, obviously, real experience at the softball was in um, earlier this year when we're up in Sydney and I got to see you all in action. Can you imagine the brass bands being part of that in the future? Uh, I could actually. Well, we were very <laughs> lucky back in 2018 when we actually had world championships in Japan. Um, my brass band actually came to our game and for the Australian team during one of our games at the World Championships. And I think my girls were a little, wow, what is going on? But it was super cool to have that support all the way over there. Um, It would be completely weird, I guess, if we had it in Australia because we're not those kind of people, but it would be super cool, the loudness, the atmosphere it brings. It's it's different. So with your training program at the moment, uh, I mean, you're used to being in a gym, you're used to being able to actually use equipment. What do you have with you in your hotel room that you're using to help with your training? So we were very lucky that our QAS um, strength and conditioning coach, Pat, he sent us with some resistance bands of every strength that we could get. Um, He also got us to get tie downs that, you know, you tie things on the roof of your car with. um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, very versatile we are. Um, and some of those PTP sliding um, mm-hmm. sliding pads, yeah. So he's put together a program for us that we can do in our room. He's also put together a speed program for us that we can do in our car park. Uh, so we're just, you know, using what we have and knowing that there will come a time we go to gym again. <laughs> How – and this is where it fascinates me because obviously I'm retired um, – athlete so I can't even imagine how hard it has been for all of you to go from getting ready to start the Olympic campaign you know thinking that yep hopefully if you're in the final team that you're going to be in the Olympics for the first time and then have it taken away from you in a weird way where you couldn't there was no answers there was nothing in your control how has that been for you mentally I think because we found out so long ago, we had a lot of time to actually process it. So when the moment came when we were at practice and we were kind of like, shoot, we should have left for the Olympics today. Um, it was already like our, it, we'd already processed it. And it was, a, it was hard at the start. It kind of was shocking considering every news channel you turned it on, oh. like it came up saying Tokyo 2020 cancelled. And at some times we weren't aware that, at, well, when I first heard about it, we weren't even aware that there was a chance it could get postponed. So seeing it on the news and having your family and friends being like, your games is cancelled, we were kind of like, no, it's not happening to us. Like, we've waited all this time. Like, it, it can't happen. But I think as time rolled around and we started changing our focus and obviously um, COVID hit and our focus became everyone else and just making sure that everyone else was safe, we kind of felt that we were in a very lucky situation that we actually had an extra 12 months at, well, actually 14, 15 months at the time to really prepare for what we knew was going to come inevitably. So I guess, yeah, mentally at the start, it was pretty taxing on us, but when it rolled around when like it should have been the opening ceremony, like I think a lot of us just were like, yeah, you know what, we've got 12 more months to prepare. So look at you, the silver lining. I love it. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess there's a lot of other things going on in the world right now that you can't be selfish and go, well, we should have been there now. Like, why aren't we there now? So I guess you got to look at it, look at it in perspective and realize, you know, life goes on, I guess. 
Yeah, well, that's right. And I'm sure there are ways that you are connecting with the squad and your Aussie spirit teammates. What kind of things are you all getting up to to keep yourselves entertained and distracted from what is going on? So when we were um, completely shut down, when we couldn't even go to a gym or go to the field to train with each other, we were doing weekly Zoom catch-ups. I did a few um, Zoom workouts with some teammates in New South Wales. Considering I am in Brisbane anyway, so I couldn't catch up with them as it was. Um, yeah, mainly just Zoom. We've got a group chat. Um, we're now going to start doing um, just player catch-ups. We haven't done that without the coaches yet. So we're going to start to do that to keep everyone kind of locked in. And um, yeah, just, you know, I find myself actually texting my teammates a lot more now considering like we usually spend like these last three months are usually spent together. And I haven't seen them since APC so it's been quite a while so found myself having more conversations with them than I I usually would which isn't bad and what and I'm always fascinated what platforms do you communicate on right because I remember with my teammates it was you know a bit of Snapchat a bit of Instagram like you across all the different platforms that that's how you communicate far more than what you probably send each other text messages are you all the same I, yeah, I rarely use a text message to speak to my teammates. It's usually Messenger these days because everyone has it. Everyone's yeah. got Messenger. Well, majority of people do. Even if you don't have Facebook, you can still have Messenger. Um, and I don't have an iPhone. So for me, it's it's easy to use Messenger with every platform. Um, Instagram? Mm-hmm. WhatsApp? Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know. It's it's strange to think how everyone else has conversations these days. It's not just a straight up text message. Hey, how are you going? <laughs> so when you were told, okay, you're going to have an extra 12, 13, 14 months up your sleeve, for you personally, what? how do you look at that? Do you go, all right, I can take a chance to rest my body a little bit and then start the training again to build up again? Or, you know, how do you kind of take it on? Well, as soon as I found out it was and I wasn't coming back to Japan straight away, I went into kind of shutdown mode. I have never had more than two to three weeks off um, pitching before since probably since I started playing on the national team. So for me, it was kind of like a blessing in disguise for me that I was able to give my body time to rest and recover and really take it to do the little things that I never that I usually put aside because pitching is my priority so I was able to even though we weren't able to get into the weight room I was able to you know form a gym outside in my house my um, friend he's a builder and he built me like a rig so I could do pull-ups and squats and bench press and whatever I needed he built that for me um so yeah I mean it was it was nice it gave me time to take I think I think in the end I took three months off pitching which is unheard of but it was really nice and it made me want to get back out and train. And that first training when we were allowed back on the field, I remember all of us just wanting to keep throwing and keep doing it, but we were limited to numbers. And our physio, she was like, guys, you've got numbers to stick to. You don't want to hurt yourself your first session back. But we were also keen to get out there and, you know, field a ground ball. But all we were doing was throwing just to make sure we didn't hurt our shoulders. So I think our, our prehab programs actually took longer than what the actual training took. no doubt but what a blessing to be able to give that to your body and you know when did you start playing for Australia in 2009 so you haven't had any time off really to rest your body 
hopefully that's just going to be a huge benefit from here on in. Um, Let's talk about the Olympics. I don't want to harp on the fact that they're not happening because we know that now, but looking forward, uh, I believe, and I don't know what, but when I was looking you up and trying to do my research, what did you have to do at the 2000 Olympics in the opening and closing ceremony? (laughs) Yeah, so I was in grade five back when um, the Olympics were in Sydney. I um, was living on the northern beaches with my family and my school was lucky enough to be a part of the opening and closing ceremony in the 2000 Olympics. So my favourite story, I talk to Mel about it all the time and actually my coach over in Japan played for Japan at the 2000 Olympics. So I always like, I'm like, I was in the 2000 like opening ceremony and she just laughs because she was so, she reckons she was so old then. I was like, yeah, I was in grade five. <laughs> what did you actually do though? Were you singing? Were you dancing? Were you walking around? So, um, you know, in Nikki Webster's part, how they kind of started to form Australia and they like had the outline of Australia and everything. My yeah. school was from Perth up to Broome. That is so cool. Yeah. So it was a lot of closed rehearsals. No one knew where we were going. We just got on a bus and they drove us to random secret locations. And my mum always says like she'd have to pick, like drop us off at like seven in the morning and pick us up at like nine at night from some random public school that they just like, like, yeah, this is where they have to be picked up from. Now, was it back then that you were thinking to yourself, yes, I want to play in the Olympics one day? Or was that not even on your radar when you're in grade five? It wasn't even on my radar when I was in grade five because, funnily enough, I actually played netball back then. <laughs> ah, what position were you? I was the goal shooter, but apparently I didn't grow. So okay. <laughs> kind of like dwindled out there. Um, but, yeah, so softball really wasn't on my radar back then. I just started playing. I hadn't even made my first rep team. It was just something I did at school. And, um, yeah, I went to watch maybe one softball game, and that was because someone had a ticket for me. Um yeah. I went to, you know, the athletics, the swimming, the basketball, you know, everything under the sun that you do as a Sydney kid. So it was kind of like then that my love for the Olympics started, but it wasn't until 2004 when I was actually playing softball. I was at a softball tournament in Orange and I was watching them play and I was like, I want to do that one day. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you were, you trained with the team in 2008, but you weren't actually in the team. Is that right? So I was a part of, from about 2005 to 2008, I was a part of a junior, like a junior Australian program. Um, And I was able to train with all, I was a part of N-Swiss back then. And I was able to train with all the girls in the lead up to all their massive tournaments. So I wasn't a part of the Australian squad, the senior Australian squad for the Olympics in 2008, but I did train day to day with them in my um, little hub at N-Swiss. And then to think too that, you know, you make your debut in 2009 and then, you know, softball hasn't been on the radar for the Olympics. Like how did that make you feel as an athlete when you start to see it's like almost just there in front of you, but then you haven't actually been able to get it yet? Yeah, it didn't actually hit me probably until I think it was the summer leading into the London Games. Like 2009, I debuted. I was head over heels, like so happy. 2010, I played my first world championship and I was only 19. So I was just like kind of in awe of all the people that were still playing, like all these people I'd looked up to my whole entire life, I was now playing with and against. Yeah. And as it kind of kept getting closer to the London Games, it kind of became more of 
a realization that, oh my God, everyone's preparing for these Olympics. I'll be like, hopefully be on the national team, but I won't be going. Mm. I think what happened within world softball was really good though. We changed world championships from every four years to every two years to help with that. So in 2012, when everyone was preparing for the Olympics, we were preparing for a world championship. Yeah. So we still had, we still had something to really look forward to and, like you can't say, oh, it's just a world championship. Like it's a world championship. You're still, you're still competing for your country. It's still a dream that everyone wants to be able to achieve. So, yeah, when you saw the Olympics all over the TV, you were kind of like, oh my god, that that's a bummer. But like we were still preparing to go to a world championship. So that was probably my first realization that we weren't there. And so then now, when you look forward to next year, what is it about the Olympics that is special for you that you want to get to that is it the opening ceremony is it to actually march out there and not dance in it or <laughs> is it to play is it compete win a medal like what is it that stands out that makes the olympics so special to you um that's a really good question it's tough like i look at it and I'm, it's something that you've always wanted to do so to say only a small percentage of people can say you're an olympian yeah. you've been an olympian it to me it's not not about marching out with your team, like with with the Australian team, because I know that we're not going to. But being a part of a team that's bigger than your own, I think is really special. Having We've never played at a tournament before where you've had other sports with us. We, we don't get to compete in the Commonwealth Games, so we don't know what it's like. Um, so for us, it's, you know, we go to our game and then we come back and we're able to cheer on a swimmer that night or we can, you know, sit in a in the like in the Olympic village with other athletes from Australia and be able to, you know, cheer and compete and pass on stories and what's good and what's not. I think I think the camaraderie within the Australian team, from what I hear and from what I've seen, is um is something to look forward to. And yeah, obviously everyone wants to go to the games and win a gold medal. That's our number one priority and that's what we want to do. But I think the one thing that I will probably take out of the games is the camaraderie you get from being an Australian and being able to see all the other teams and other athletes achieve success as well. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I got the opportunity to be at a Commonwealth Games because our sport obviously isn't in the Olympics. And um, I went twice and that was the best thing that came out of it for me was being a part of a much bigger Australian team. And you're in the dining hall and, and, I say with the Com Games, we always get a bit envious because the Olympics is like just that next bigger thing than what the Com Games are. But, you know, you do, you get to form all these great relationships with other athletes from other sports, which end up being such a good supportive network just for you and how you cope up and down from whatever happens from that moment on. So it is really special and I really hope that um, everything goes to plan next year and that <laughs> we can tickle all that off. <laughs> now, what about, can you tell me what it's going to be like now in Japan for you? How long do you plan on staying over there? What does the season look like? And is it pretty normal over there at the moment? So I couldn't tell you whether it's normal or not because I'm in my little bubble. But um, I have a friend who, she's Japanese, but she played in Australia for the last few years. Um, she lives in Osaka and I spoke to her yesterday and I said, oh, well, Melbourne's crazy at home. Brisbane seems to be okay. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're ticking along. And she just goes and she goes, Osaka and Tokyo are crazy. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, well, I don't really know, but my teammates 
they're not allowed to leave our prefecture. So we live just outside of Kyoto and they're not allowed to leave. Um, they can travel within. I think this might just be team rules though, just to make sure they're, they're safe. Um, but they seem to be getting on with their day-to-day lives as normal. Like they go to training. Everyone is very um, respectable and just wears face masks. Yeah. Nice. Everyone practices social distancing. There's no like, like if you're walking next to someone on the street, like you both take a wide berth and that's just out of respect. They just like, obviously what we do now, but um, yeah. so we're here until our last round game is the 24th of October that weekend. Um, whether or not we make the finals will determine whether we stay or not. Okay. So final tournament is, I want to say the first weekend in November, but um, only the top four teams go. So, and so is the plan then to be back in Australia, whether you're in finals or whenever, whenever that's finished, to come back to Australia and then rejoin the Travelodge Aussie Spirit Girls in preparation? Yeah, so our plan is um, once this season's finished, we'll jump on a plane to go back home, uh, do our two weeks mandatory hotel isolation that we have to do, um, and then rejoin rejoin the squad. Uh, we're supposed to have a camp in November. I guess um, it's all up in the air as to whether that's going ahead right now. Uh, we just have to see whether Stace and I can actually get there with um, the dates and everything of when we leave Japan as to when we get out of isolation and stuff like that. But, yeah, so our plan is finish the season over here, come home, rejoin the girls, um, hopefully play nationals and then kickstart the Tokyo 2021 journey. And don't forget the summer slam. Oh, yes. <laughs> How did you like playing in that tournament? For me, from as a spectator, I absolutely loved it. It was so fun and exciting to watch. Do you enjoy it? I love it. It's so much fun to be able to go from such a serious international tournament at the beginning of the week with APC to be able to join with friends that you may not play with ever, mm-hmm. um, people from other countries, just, I don't, it's just such a relaxing situation. And I mean, I can't, I can't fault my coach. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cheats, he's great. He's like, he just lets us do what we need to do. He lets us make our own decisions. Um, he lets Belinda and I kind of just like do what we do, what we want. Let us, lets us have some fun. Cause he knows that the rest of the girls and all the team have been str- so stressed throughout APC. So it's just a bit of time to let your hair down and have a bit of fun with softball. And what about for you when you're pitching, having the time limit? Do you like that, the extra change, something a bit different? It doesn't phase me because when I play club at home, like there'll be some days where I just am like, okay, let's just go straight into the innings. Like I don't want my warm-up pitches. Yeah. I just want like I just want to get in. I want to get out. I want to go back and hit because I get to hit at club. So that's the fun part. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I like it. I think it's fun. It kind of it challenges us because we don't get a warm up. We have time limits. We start with loaded bases, and you could have the best hitter up with loaded bases. And when do you ever want that? Yeah. So I like it as a pitcher because I know that runs are going to get scored. You're going to get big hits hit off you but you just got to roll with the punches and go, like, this is what the game's about. And sometimes the game's bigger than us. And it's not about me as a pitcher. It's about bringing the atmosphere and letting our spectators enjoy our sport instead of the pitchers always just shutting people down. 
Well, that's the feedback you definitely got from everyone watching was that they loved that. They loved, and I loved it too, having you all mic'd up on the field. Is that distracting when we're talking to you as you're about to throw a pitch? I don't mind it, but Belinda got angry at me this year. She was like, Kyla, concentrate. <laughs> I was like, I am. I'm just talking and having a conversation. <laughs> you can just blame us. Don't worry about it. We're happy to take it's fine. When I, when I talk at club now, they're like, she's just practicing for summer slam. I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, I don't want to hold you up too much longer, but I do want to thank you so much for joining us all the way from Japan. I hope that you continue to keep yourself safe and healthy and fit in your little hotel room at the moment. Um, and it all goes well over there and then we can get you back in Australia and get you preparing for the Olympics um, sooner rather than later. So thank you so much for joining us, Kyle. Thank you. And now it's time to get to the CEO of Softball Australia, David Pryles. David, how are you going? Yeah, going well, Bianca. Uh, It's been challenging, but um, we've got some pretty exciting news to discuss. Now, before we get to that exciting news... Can you talk to me about what the landscape for softball is like? Because I know in this COVID world, there's so many people worried about what's happening, not just at the elite end of things, but also in community. Can you talk to me about what's happening and what you're hearing around community softball? Yeah, we're hearing that um, softball is very similar to what other sports are facing at the moment, that... um, you know, sporting clubs are at risk um, in regards to funding, specifically during this COVID time. And the Australian Sports Foundation um, put out a national survey and it stated that 16,000 sporting clubs across the country are at risk of closing if they don't get funding within six months. And 20% of those clubs have only got cash reserves to last for another three months. So um, community sport is doing it tough um, and looking like doing it tough probably for the next 12 months or so. Oh, it's hard to hear, isn't it? Because we know how much, I know how much sport has given me and not just netball, but all sports that I played as a kid, that connection that you have and in regional areas where I grew up, it's it's just the lifeblood of the community and we need to obviously do as much as we can to try and get it back and get it there so that everyone can get out there and enjoy playing softball again. And I'm hearing some pretty exciting things about the Back on Base campaign. Yeah, we... Um... We think it's really important to give back into um, community grassroots softball, not just for um, physical well-being, but mental well-being as well. It's the lifeblood of you know, a lot of people's lives. So we've kicked off a back-on-base campaign, which is uh, a grant program aimed at every single softball club across the country, and that's basically to help as many as we can um, you know, return to sport uh, by stimulating their clubs through... Uh, whatever they come up with, the novel ideas and activities to retain existing players or attract as many uh, new members. We're giving up grants of up to $1,000 for each application. Uh, they open on Wednesday the 26th and last for two weeks. So we're asking every single softball club across the country, get together, come up with some ideas on how you can recruit players during this time or how you can retain your existing members. And we look forward to... Um, you know, to investing $60,000 into grassroots softball clubs. That is incredible from you all. But also, I believe, I've read in one of the media releases, you want everyone to get creative, don't you, with their applications? 
Yeah, we do. Uh, that's really, really important. We want people thinking about how they're actually going to recruit. Um, that could be programs that support inclusion and diversity. That could be uh, school or community group engagement and encouragement to come and try softball or whether that's better use of existing programs, that's social sevens or softball batter up or fully loaded, um, come and try days, bring a friend promotions, marketing and promotion, digital social media, anything that clubs can look at, um, you know, we want to be able to support. And for you being the CEO and obviously coming off all of Australia, how are you finding it? Because I imagine that different states are all able to do different things. So that must be tough to get your head around what's allowed in every state. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's very much up to each uh, state body and, and state government in regards to regulations. As a national body, uh, we can only um, take the advice of the Sport Australian AIS and, and return to sport guidelines. Um, so we know that um, you know, softball is going on in, in most parts of the country now. Um, except for Victoria, unfortunately. But you know, we're just hoping that everyone follows those stringent rules and, and can still enjoy the game. And that is what we want everyone to be enjoying the game. Now, just if you want that, again, it's the Back on Base campaign. So it's providing grants to clubs and assisting retention and participation campaigns. So, so far, Softball Australia, there's a pool of $60,000 available to clubs that provide an application. Uh, if you are successful, uh, grant applicants will range from $200 to $1,000 and you must put it towards retention or participation initiatives to recruit players into your club. So it's awesome to hear there's so much going on at Softball Australia and I'm excited to see what some of these creative campaigns that come through, Dave. Yeah, thanks, Bianca. We, uh, we look forward to receiving all the uh, applications and, and handing out the money. <laughs> That's the best bit, just handing out the money. Thanks so much for joining us, Dave. That's been the Softball Insider podcast for another month. Now, next time, I will have another couple of guests for you. We'll update you with what's happening in the softball world. And that was all thanks to Kumo Tyres.